Welcome to TKG's Healthcare Insights, where we explore healthcare's critical issues, challenges, and trends with a focus on achieving the quadruple aim of enhancing patient experience, improving population health, reducing costs, and improving the work life of healthcare providers and staff. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome. We are glad to have you listening today. I'm Warren Smedley, and today we will be exploring oral parity legislation. My co-host today is Sarah Pugh, Senior Director with the Kinetics Group. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Warren. As an oncology nurse, this is a pretty important issue, and I'll bet many of our listeners will learn a lot from this topic that's not very well known. I agree, and probably only a few people even understand from the title what we're about to talk about which is why I thought this might make a good topic for a discussion. Sarah, last week I was asked to provide some background information and a status report on any changes to the oral parity legislation that has been floating around Congress since about 2009. The oral parity legislation initiatives attempt to address the substantial out-of-pocket costs that patients are facing when their insurance covers medications under their pharmacy benefit plan as opposed to their major medical benefits. For today's discussion, we'll be using examples that apply to cancer care, but the topic applies broadly to many disease groups. For cancer patients, the traditional chemotherapy treatments are infused in a hospital or clinic setting. These infusions are typically covered by a patient's major medical insurance. Now, disclaimer, every insurance plan is a little different, but in general, this is how they work. Major medical insurance generally has a deductible, a copay, and then once a maximum is reached, the balance of the cost is paid for by the insurance plan during that benefit year. However, many of the new cancer drugs are being produced as pills, oral medications, and these are typically covered by a patient's pharmacy benefit plan, which covers the medications differently than the major medical benefits. Pharmacy plans generally have a substantially higher out-of-pocket cost. So, Warren, why has this become such an important issue to cancer patients in particular? Well, Sarah, we're shifting away from the traditional infused cancer treatments to more oral therapies. I just read the 2020 Magellan Management Medical Pharmacy Trend Report, and they estimated that there are over 700 new oncology drugs in the clinical trial pipeline. Betcher and colleagues, a report that I read, reported that somewhere between 30 and 50% of these new anti-cancer medications are oral drugs. Presently, there are over 68 oral anti-cancer medications on the market. Many of the new oral anti-cancer medications are unique therapies without an equivalent IV alternative therapy, so patients may have no other choice than to use the oral medications for their treatment. Now, the cost for oral medications are frequently much higher than the traditional infused drugs for a lot of different reasons. Many of the new oral drugs are considered smart or targeted therapies, which may make them more complex to administer, resulting in higher prices. More complex drugs also may have a higher potential for adverse events, further increasing the cost to manage these patients. A study by Hong and colleagues reported that the median cost per year of treatment for new oral drugs approved between 2009 and 2013, that's getting a little bit old in data, was about $156,000 per year. Other studies reported similar findings with annual prices exceeding $100,000 per year, and that out-of-pocket costs can be as high as $30,000 per year. I'm thinking that the high out-of-pocket costs have probably impacted our patients' adherence to therapy. I think you're right. 
These high prices were found to negatively affect patients' medication adherence to therapy, and there's a lot of literature out there on that. Chen reported that more than one-fourth of patients were not adherent to prescribed therapy due to high out-of-pocket costs for their medication. Kircher, in another study, found that high cost-sharing leads to non-adherence and even bankruptcy. Similarly, another study, Mancini and colleagues, they reported that one in four patients abandoned their prescriptions when faced with cost-sharing in excess of $500. Warren, in my experience, even despite the high costs, as an oncology nurse, most of my cancer patients generally prefer taking an oral medication at home rather than having to go to the infusion center and sit for a half a day or even longer hooked up to an infusion pump. But I really don't think most people realize the reimbursement is significantly different for oral therapies because most oral medications are reimbursed under the pharmacy benefit. That's probably a surprise to them. That's right, Sarah. The typical medical insurance plans have historically covered intravenous chemotherapy on a hospital outpatient basis as part of the patient's major medical benefits coverage. Depending on your choice of plans, most major medical plans have a modest office visit copay with an annual out-of-pocket maximum, as we mentioned previously. Once the out-of-pocket maximum is reached, major medical plans then typically cover the cost of the infused drugs during that benefit year. However, oral anti-cancer medications are typically reimbursed in these plans under a patient's prescription drug benefit, which may or may not be subject to a maximum out-of-pocket limit. These plans may also have a tiered structure that increases the patient's cost-sharing responsibility as the price of the medication increases. Patients may actually pay a significant out-of-pocket amount with no annual limit. I bet that's particularly hard for the Medicare populations. Actually, you're right. The National Cancer Institute reports that the median age of a cancer patient is 66 years old. Medicare covers approximately 60% of all patients with cancer in the United States. Medicare plans have significantly different out-of-pocket cost-sharing for Part B, which is the major medical benefit, versus Part D, which is the prescription benefit. According to the CMS website, only about 75% of individuals with Medicare Parts A and B coverage have enrolled in Part D coverage. This is a significant problem for them because oral drug therapy is reimbursed as a Medicare Part D prescription benefit. Patients without Part D coverage have no coverage for their oral cancer drugs. For those with Part D coverage, cost sharing can be as high as 20% on prescriptions, resulting in thousands of dollars of -of out-of-pocket cost to the patient. On top of that, enrollees in Medicare Part D remain responsible after their co-payments for up to 5% of the total cost of the drug. A report by Kays and Fink shared an example of a first-line oral chronic myeloid leukemia, or CML, medication that costs approximately $138,000 per year. Now, if we apply this example to a traditional Medicare patient who has a supplemental Medicare Part D insurance plan, and that That Part D plan imposes a 5% coinsurance on the monthly cost of $11,500. After the patient reaches their annual out-of-pocket maximum of $6,350, the patient would still incur a $575 monthly out-of-pocket cost with no annual maximum. In the example, just for this one drug, the patient would be responsible for an annual out-of-pocket of $6,900. Wow, that's significant. Warren, you know, a common topic that we discuss with our clients and focus on in the 
clinical arena and in the patient arena is financial toxicity. And as a nurse, I've seen so many patients struggle under the financial toxicity of these expensive drugs. So how does oral parity legislation fit into helping these patients? I've read that most states now have an enacted oral parity laws aimed at leveling out the cost differences between the infused and the oral medications. Why doesn't that fix the problem you're describing? Hmm. Well, I think it was intended to, but the reality is that it falls way short. When we come back, we'll talk about the various efforts to address the differences in reimbursement and the financial toxicity that this is creating for many cancer patients. are listening to TKG's Healthcare Insights, a program produced by the Kinetics Group. TKG empowers life science companies to effectively engage with health system and payer customers by developing strategies and real-world solutions aimed at impacting the right patient at the right time with the right care. We also work directly with health systems and payers to address the critical issues of our time. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at thekineticsgroup.com. Thank you for joining us today. Okay, Sarah, let me get back to your question about oral parity legislation. The need to address the issue of oral parity, which is creating parity between the way infused and oral drugs are reimbursed, began in the early 2000s as more oral anti-cancer drugs were being introduced into the evidence-based medical guidelines for cancer treatment. Efforts initially began at the state level, with Oregon enacting the first state oral parity law in 2008. The first federal bill was introduced by Representative Brian Higgins, a Democrat from New York, in May of 2009. So how many states have the oral parity laws now? Sarah, to date, a total of 43 states and the District of Columbia have enacted some form of oral parity laws intended to limit patient out-of-pocket costs for oral anti-cancer medications. However, state laws only apply to state-regulated insurance plans that do not fall under the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, or RISA, and there is wide variation in the laws that the states do have in place. As a result, only a small fraction of the affected patient population is actually addressed by state parity laws. The Kaiser Family Foundation estimated that only about 45% of employer-based private insurance plans would be subject to the state parity laws. Federal legislation is needed to create a national standard for out-of-pocket costs related to oral anti-cancer drug therapies, including addressing Medicare and Medicare Advantage plans. Now, Representative Brian Higgins has introduced an oral parity bill multiple times in Congress, starting with that one in May 2009 that I mentioned, and then again in 2011, 2013, 2015, 2017, and again in March of 2019. So in 2019, Representative Higgins introduced Bill H.R. 1730, the Cancer Drug Parity Act of 2019, to the House. And reading from the text of the bill, and I quote, this bill requires health plans that cover anti-cancer medications administered by a healthcare provider to provide no less favorable cost sharing for patient-administered anti-cancer medications. This requirement applies to medications that are, one, approved by the Food and Drug Administration, two, medically necessary for cancer treatment, and three, clinically appropriate in terms of type, frequency, extent, site, and duration. The bill has had strong bipartisan support in the House, and uh, at the same time, Senator Tina Smith, a Democrat from Minnesota, introduced Bill 
S741, the Cancer Drug Parity Act of 2019, to the Senate, and also in March of 2019. It had identical language, and it also had strong bipartisan support within the Senate. Neither bill made it to a vote in 2019, and the Senate bill actually died in committee that year, but the House bill continued to gain support throughout 2020, but again, did not come to a vote. I think 2020 had way too many other competing priorities. At the moment, there is no current action in Congress that we are aware of on oral parity legislation. That's too bad. It really sounds like it would have been a great solution for the problem. Uh, Although it sounds good, the proposed House and Senate bills, while having good intentions, really do not provide broad enough language to make a significant impact on the majority of cancer patients facing excessive out-of-pocket costs for their medications. As I mentioned previously, 60% of patients are Medicare, are covered by Medicare or Medicare Advantage plans. The proposed federal legislation is not broad enough to apply to patients insured under the larger self-funded plans that fall under the ERISA laws or patients insured through a Medicare or Medicare Advantage plan. This legislation only has jurisdiction, the federal legislation only has jurisdiction over private, small group, state-based policies, which only helps a small fraction of the patients battling cancer. With oral drug therapies becoming mainstream in the treatment of cancer, health insurance should cover these medications at levels like that provided for cancer therapies administered in the hospital or clinic setting. Federal legislation that is broader than what Representative Higgins has introduced is really needed to create a national standard for out-of-pocket costs related to oral anti-cancer drug therapies. Goodness, I bet most people have no idea about the proposed oral parity language, and even if they did know about it, it really falls short of what it's intended to achieve. Sarah, unfortunately, until Congress amends the proposed language and addresses the real weaknesses in oral parity legislation, this will continue to be a problem for patients with chronic diseases like cancer. Now, in my opinion, Congress should amend the legislation to clearly include, and here's what I've written down, All plans providing coverage under traditional Medicare, Medicare managed care plans, and employer-sponsored plans as a way to clarify that this applies to all the plans, not just to a few. I completely agree. Warren, thank you for unpacking some of the complexities of the oral parity legislation and providing some much-needed clarity on this important subject. Thank you, Sarah. It's an especially important topic as we strive to achieve the quadruple aim of enhancing patient experience, improving population health, reducing costs, and improving the work life of healthcare providers and staff. I've enjoyed dedicating my career to helping patients overcome these burdens and challenges of a cancer diagnosis. Same here. Thank you for joining us this week. We welcome your suggestions, ideas, and requests for podcast topics of interest. Please reach out to us at thekineticsgroup.com forward slash contact, and write Insights Podcast in the subject line. Thank you and have a safe and healthy day. You are listening to TKG's Healthcare Insights, a program produced by the Kinetics Group. TKG empowers life science companies to effectively engage with health system and payer customers by developing strategies and real-world solutions aimed at impacting the right patient at the right time with the right care. We also work directly with health systems and payers to address the critical issues of our time. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at thekineticsgroup.com. Thank you for joining us today.